Unbound Theatre presents The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier The Cottage on the Moor Written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson Chapter 1. The Dark Some time later, on a calm autumnal evening when the sky presented a spectrum of burnt oranges, pinks and purples, and the air glided across the moor with a foretelling of the chilly winter to come, something remarkable came to pass. The threads of wind woven through the long grass and patches of undergrowth began to circle around an unoccupied piece of ground set amongst the gnarled trees atop one of the hills, creating a genteel, almost imperceptible vortex. The birds nesting in the branches sensed the disturbance and snapped their heads towards the clearing. The air changed again, not merely swirling now, but pulsating too, drawn towards some invisible mark and pushed away again, as though space itself were breathing. It pulsed a second time, stronger than before, and the wary birds were sent flapping into the sky. Slowly, light started to form within the nucleus of the spatial tide, growing brighter to the tune of a single humming note which had begun to fill the air. The light gave way to solid matter, the outline of a most curious machine. Its frame of five magnificent brass pillars rose from the floor and curved towards one another. They met at an apex, bearing a set of curved copper blades which spun ferociously around the shell of the capsule. Beneath the apex was a spinning hourglass held within a gyroscope, which summoned bolts of electricity that caressed the brass pillars. Between each column were banks of controls, set into wooden panels, on which stood a spectacular array of glass apparatus, filled with bubbling and boiling liquids of every colour imaginable. At the base of the machine was a marble platform, and it was here that the craft's occupants were currently standing. The hum which signalled the machine's arrival faded, and the pulsating air was cast aside. The landing was complete. Professor Chronomier, the pilot of the craft, waited for the copper blades to cease their rotation and stepped down from the platform, eagerly breathing the air and casting her eyes around a new landscape. A barren panorama of rocks and grass held her gaze. Well, she said with only a hint of disappointment, this is the future then. Looks like Wales. She took a few more steps out among the trees and ran a hand over one of the contorted barks. Though by now a time traveller of some experience, the sights, smells and sensations of a new era never failed to hasten the professor's heartbeat. Nothing wrong with Wales, of course, she chirped as she looked up at the darkening sky. A beautiful place. Landscape like you wouldn't believe. Still, I thought the far future would be rather more... industrial? Yes, I suppose that's it. Now then... Placing a hand inside one of the pockets of her battered frock coat, she pulled from its depths a fob watch. On its face there were no hands, rather a series of concentric dials full of numbers. This was her chronometer. On previous excursions the numbers would turn to inform her of the year in which she'd arrived. On this occasion, however, they'd all settled on zero. Good grief, we've gone further ahead than I thought, 
Even the chronometer stumped on this one. Really, Astrid, you must get a lungful of this air. Sort of musty, but I don't know. Serene. Astrid? The professor turned back to her time machine where her young companion Astrid had remained clutching onto one of the wooden control panels. She looked uneasy, her head drooping downward and her breathing troubled. Are you all right, dear heart? I don't know if feel sick, Astrid replied. She swallowed hard, then placed a hand to her temple. Blimey, me skull feels like it's about to split. A fine time to get travel sickness, my girl, the professor smiled, walking back to the machine. She tilted her head in concern, and Astrid remained quiet, fixing her focus on the floor. The professor plunged her hands into her coat pockets again. I'm certain I've some remedies about me somewhere. Don't worry, it will shift. Astrid sighed and lifted her head to look at her friend. You go and have a look around. I'll be all right. If you're sure, the professor replied. Course I am, said Astrid, though her hand reached to her head again with a wince. You're itching to see what's out there. Don't let me hold you up. Oh, the future, Astrid, the professor bubbled. Just imagine what advances mankind will have made, what wonders of science we'll have mastered. She looked once again at the moor. Nice to know they've not flattened it all for factories, at any rate. With a last smile to her companion, the professor made her way beyond the trees. Astrid watched her bound into the distance, then sat down on the circle of marble at the base of the machine. Though relatively speaking it had not been long since she had met the professor in her own time, the late sixteenth century, their exploits together had made them firm friends. She had eagerly agreed to the suggestion that they venture into a future age. Initially she had hoped to see the professor's home time in the late 1800s, but her friend's wanderlust craved somewhere much farther afield. Her headache beat into her skull and she flinched again. She closed her eyes, but the vision of the trees surrounding the time machine remained imprinted in her mind, unnervingly so. She scrunched her eyelids tighter, but still the image remained. She turned her head and to her surprise the trees moved, as though she'd never closed her eyes at all. Covering her face with her hands, she breathed deeply, but rather than dispelling the mental apparition, it slowly began to move. It were as if she were floating above the ground. So real was the sensation that she threw one hand down to touch the marble platform for reassurance. It remained beneath her, but now she could see the trees thinning as her mind moved beyond them and onto the open ground. She opened her eyes, and the trees returned momentarily, albeit overlaid by the strange evolving vision filling her mind. She turned, and could see the outline of the ship and its controls, but again the moving image seemed to be mapped over them. Professor, she gasped weakly. There came no reply. She shuffled across the platform and grasped her arms around one of the brass pillars for safety. The vision continued apace, out onto the grassland and across the bushes and banks of wild shrubs. And then she saw it on the side of the hill. She felt herself letting go of the pillar and standing, her eyes closing to block out any disruption to the image in her mind. There were the rocks, murmuring and muttering. They were calling to her. They lay piled upon one another, a landslide. And beneath them, it was waiting. Two voices burbled in her ears. The first male, the other female. It's ready, ready for her. You can't! You can't!
Astrid could feel herself walking. She was following the path the vision had shown her through the trees, initially taking the same route as the Professor, but now diverging. Towards the rocks. Towards the landslide. Towards the voices. The Professor had eagerly made her way down one side of the hill and inhaled giddily at the landscape stretching out before her. A great moor drenched in the watercolour ambience of dusk and seemingly untouched by mankind even this far into her future. Untouched, that was, aside from a small house made of stone some distance away. Further than that, a stream glistened with the last reflected rays of the sun, which had all but disappeared behind another clutch of trees. At the other end of the sky, the stars were coming out. She narrowed her eyes and began to scan them, trying to piece together the astral map she'd studied for so diligently before embarking on her many explorations. She had seen the sky from all corners of her world, their orderly pattern a comfort whenever far from home. Lost? A memory echoed in her head. You? Never, my girl. You've always been able to find your way once the stars come out. Ever since you was a nipper. The voice was runcible, a friend and mentor. For a moment she felt a pang of sadness, knowing that in this time he was long gone. I don't know, Runcible, she said quietly. I think even I might be at a loose end this time. She looked intensely at the specks of light appearing in the sky, but could not identify them. The patterns she knew were no longer there. At times she could see the trace of a constellation she recalled from so many charts and books, but it was incomplete. They've changed, she muttered to herself. No wonder the chronometer was perplexed. Extraordinary! Astrid, entranced, had made her way towards the landslide. Finally the image forcing itself into her mind seemed to become unified with her true vision, but the voices filling her ears remained undimmed. It's ready for her, the man said again. It's ready. Light began to trace the outline of the rocks, bleeding through from the cavern within. In the distance, at the top of the hill, she could swear someone was watching her, and still the thing beneath the ground called to her. Professor, she heard herself calling. Surely her friend could see her from the top of the hill. Professor! The cry had made the professor turn in at an instant and run back towards where the machine had landed. As she reached the top of the hill, she heard a short, sharp whistle, and for a moment a shadow in the corner of her eye drew her gaze, as though something had moved behind one of the trees. Astrid? she called, taking a step towards it. But then an instinct shot across her synapses, and she turned to look down the other side of the hill. Some distance away, beside a wall of rocks, Astrid was standing, her back rigid. Astrid! the professor called again, and gasped as her friend collapsed like an abandoned rag doll. The professor took a few determined steps towards her, then paused as gradually, from behind every tree and bank of greenery, figures began to emerge. They were not alone on the moor. The shadows of hunched men and women staggered into the open, making their way towards the fallen Astrid. Chronicles of Professor Chronomier, The Cottage on the Moor, an Unbound Theatre production, written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson, with music by Kevin MacLeod. <laughs>